welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, and I'm joined by Alex Golden of Setting the Pace and PacersTalk.net. Uh, Alex, how are you doing today, man? Brother, what's going on, man? It's been a while since I've been talking Pacers basketball, but it feels good to be back and, and being able to talk about some uh, some new things that have been coming out about the Pacers. Yeah, dude, I'm uh, I'm psyched. We just uh, have some kind of light things to talk about today. Luckily, we don't have to talk about like anything super crazy going on. Uh, it was still... You know, we're getting there. We're under 50 days, getting close to almost 40 days. Uh, the bubble's coming up. Everybody's reporting back to uh, to Indy and, and their home markets around the league. And, um, you know, just kind of the first news that popped up league-wide today, uh, Nikola Jokic tested positive for COVID. Um, and, you know, that's in light of the last week or so, all of those pictures were coming out of uh, skinny Jokic. And uh, oddly enough, when my friends texted me right before this, they're like, dude, I just saw the pictures of Jokic. He looks like Chris Daps Porzingis. I'm like, yeah, he kind of does. But um, in, in terms of looking at, uh, at COVID and, and transmission and looking at the bubble, I was talking to you a little bit before we got on um, about I, I, you know, I've expressed my sentiments since uh, since this all got started up. I'm definitely hesitant. Um, I'm obviously, you know, I love basketball. I, it's what I do for a living. I want to I want to talk about basketball. I want to analyze basketball. So basketball being back is great. Um, but I'm. I'm skeptical that it will uh, stay here. You know, I think uh, there are obviously going to be multiple uh, things in place to try and prevent transmission and spread. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely, I, I don't know. I, I just think to, to quote Jeff Goldblum in, in Jurassic Park, man, life finds a way. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm definitely a little skeptical. I think uh, we're going to see a huge amount of guys test positive uh, in the next couple of days when, when testing starts up. I'm definitely wary of that. Um, but I, I'd love to get your opinion and where, where, you, where you're coming from on that. Well, I think as things are starting to open back up, I do believe that some people kind of forget that this virus is still a thing. And there are people that are being, you know, less or careless, I should say. They're being less careful with how they're going about trying to social distance and wearing a mask. And unfortunately, I probably say that I've kind of been in that boat myself where I kind of just forget because I'm life is starting to get back to normal somewhat, right? You know, not, not completely 100%, but it's starting to get back somewhat normal. And I think, you know, there's a lot of concerns about the coronavirus and the uptick we've seen across a few of the states like uh, Arizona and Florida and a couple other. But, you know, to be honest with you, I think that the bubble is actually kind of a safer place than being out every day because you think about it, you know, you, you got to go to work every day. You're dealing with all these different people. For me, I work in a warehouse, so I'm dealing with semi-truck drivers. I got to unload them. I'm, I'm going to a different plant where I deliver stuff. Multiple people are touching stuff I'm touching. And, you know, I, I think that I'm more at risk because I'm having more interactions with people that I have no idea where they've been at. But if you look at the NBA bubble and, and what they're going to be doing in Orlando, all these people are going to be in the same locations and they're going to be getting tested daily. And I, I think that while someone might come down with it, I mean, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen, right? There's going to be somebody that probably a young person that sneaks off. Uh, that's on one of these teams. They don't stay within the bubble that they're supposed to be in in Florida and Orlando. And I, I mean, I can definitely see where somebody could come down with it, but I think with the constant test being done, this to me seems safer than just everyday living. And that might be naive to say, it might be ignorant to say, but that's just how I feel about it. And, um, you know, but it is, it's still a scary thing. And I think that all the players, I mean, we saw that huge manual that came out. I mean, obviously nobody read the whole thing. It was a little bit over the top, but 
it's better to be over the top than be not, you know, not thorough at all. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where you got to make sure that you're maintaining social distancing when you're not playing the games and you're using hand sanitizer, trying to do whatever you can to just be cooperative with the guidelines that have been put in place to help this league go on. Because honestly, Mark, if the league doesn't go on, the NBA is going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, no. (laughs) And that's the only reason it's a business. It's the same thing with companies opening up right now. I mean, I understand we're in a different ballpark here, but you're talking about billionaires losing money. I mean, they, they don't necessarily need the money. Like as someone who like is working an eight to five job every day. Right. But they still need that money. So, everybody that's in the business side of things, they want to figure out the best way to continue their business with, you know, restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, firstly coming off that, I definitely want to say not ignorant at all. It's, uh, um, it's, it's just so weird to look at this, you know, cause I mean, we, we both, you know, this is what we do. We cover basketball. So it's, it's weird to talk about it and uh, realize how trivial some of the stuff seems, you know, um, obviously I, I'm, I'd not say the, I'm not oh, an yeah, expert. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not an expert either. You know, it's just, uh, <laughs> It, I'd say it's pretty clear, you know, Orlando is the, the safest place you can be. Not not Orlando itself because Orange County is blowing up with uh, with cases, but I mean, being in the bubble is going to be the safest place you can be. I just, I, I you know, I was born a skeptic. So, um, but yeah, I mean, especially seeing stuff with, with Tillman Fertitta, the Rockets owner this year. Um, I mean, he cut back massively on stuff as soon as COVID outbroke. And, you know, he's a guy who's, uh, he's a multimillionaire. He's, a, you know, if you have enough money to own the Rockets, you're, you're doing pretty damn well for yourself. Um, but I mean, even, even he ha- is, is, you know, losing money and uh, struggling to make stuff happen. Uh, so right. yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks. I think, uh, we just have more questions and answers coming, coming up ahead, man. Um, well, well, let me just put it this way for you too, for an analogy sake, you know, I mean, when you hear negative things, negative things seem to resonate more than positive things. And for example, you know, somebody posts a picture or a, a post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. They can get 125 comments that say great things about it. But that one person that says this is stupid or you're ugly or whatever, anything that's negative, that's that person thinks on. more about, you know what I mean? They think more about that one comment compared to the 125 positives. So when you're seeing all these numbers, you're like, man, there's a lot of cases of, you know, COVID-19 and stuff like that. You know, there have been a ton of people, but think about all the people that we, you know, help prevent from the virus spreading by quarantining for those last three months. You know, it's a ton of, it's a ton of people all across the world. So, I mean, I I think that Dr. Fauci has even said that, uh, you know, the NBA, what they're doing makes the most sense and, and it's the best way to go about doing it. There's no perfect example, but I think the NBA has got about as close as you can get to being as perfect to returning with sports. Yeah, it's uh, definitely been better than what the MLB has been doing. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, definitely uh, a lot more that we'll be talking about in the coming days, man. Uh, so kind of, you know, transitioning off that, uh, some Pacer news that came up today. Uh, Paul George was on the Knuckleheads podcast, which if you've not listened to that before, that is uh, Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles' podcast. Um, and he uh, he talks a little bit about, his exit from, from Indy and was, uh, you know, a little vague about it as well still, but kind of brought some light onto it um, and talked about how in the summer uh, heading into, I believe it was 2017, his last year in, in Indy, uh, he talked about how he had the, you know, there was potentially, um, well, not potentially, he said that 
the top power forward in the, he didn't specify if it was in the league or on the free agency market, but I'm assuming in the league from everything I'm seeing um, that they were interested in coming to Indy and playing with him. Uh, and when he took it to the front office, the front office was not willing to, uh, to make any kind of deal happen and could not make it, could not make the money work. Yeah. I, I so <laughs> as, as per usual, whenever the name Paul George gets uttered within 50 miles of Indianapolis, or I should even just say the Indiana State border. There is an uproar. Um, yeah, Alex, I think you know. I, I just want to ask you first off, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? I know we talked about this a little bit today uh, before coming on, but uh, uh, share share with the people what you think, man. Well, here's the thing: who is the power forward he's talking about? That that's the question mark, and that's the question nobody has answers to. Now I've seen, I believe it was Jay Michael mentioned that he was hint, hinting about Anthony Davis. Now, if you're talking about Anthony Davis. Bringing him to Indiana with Paul George, I don't care what you have to give up. And I know some people are like, oh, you know, uh, I think I saw a tweet that said something about don't mortgage the future of the team for this. Well, at that point, you put Paul George and Anthony Davis together. I mean, that's a top team in the Eastern Conference right away. You already had a young Miles Turner there. Now, does he stay on the team or not? Do you have to trade him? That's a question that I don't know. But if you if you could have kept Miles with Anthony Davis and Paul George, you've got a pretty solid front court. Uh, to go forward. And I, and I think defensively that would have been a, a huge uh, nightmare for teams, you know, to see that. So to me, if it was Anthony Davis specifically, then I think Paul George is right here. And honestly, like I know people hate Paul George and I know my, my co-host from my Monday show on setting the pace, Ken Sterling has a huge beef with him and oh, does not yeah. like him I, at all. And, I saw that. And, for the, sorry to interrupt. I saw that for the first time on Twitter today. I was like, Oh wow. That is a, that is a can of worms to open up on a, on a Tuesday yes. morning, but yeah, right, right. So, so me and Kent, when we get back to Rollins on the pace, uh, when I get settled into my new house, uh, we will definitely be hitting on that. But you know, it's one of those things where, at this point, I mean, I don't believe everything Paul and George says. I mean, the guy's got to make sure that he looks good. But I will say this: I do believe in this specific moment that he was telling the truth. And I and I go back and I remember the reports about the Pacers being interested in Danilo Gallinari and Drew Holiday, somebody coming off an injury that Paul was a little nervous about, probably didn't know much about him. And there had been so much roster change up until that point, too. I mean, you think about it, once he came back from injury, David West left, Roy Hibbert was traded. They ended up trading George Hill the next year. Uh, Lance Stevenson leaves, goes to, to Charlotte. Pretty much, they traded Danny Granger. Everybody that he was used to playing with had left. So, I can see why he was a little bit skeptical of the direction they were heading. And one thing people don't always bring up, they always talk about his hate for Larry Bird. And I, I don't understand why, you know, there is so many conclusions that draw to that because to me, Paul asked for the trade basically after Larry Bird stepped down as the president of basketball operations. And to me, I think when he saw Larry step down, that was Larry's way of saying, Hey, you know, I, I don't want to be a, a part of a team that's not competing for a championship. And I think that was kind of something that Paul probably thought in his mind too. And I, I, I'm just guesstimating here. I have no evidence of this, but it, to me it makes sense. Well, if Larry doesn't want to be here anymore, I don't want to go through another rebuild. I'm in the, hitting the prime of my career. Get me out of here so I can go play where I want to play or give me somewhere I can at least compete in the playoffs because I don't want to be on a team that's going to be semi-competitive. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a lot to unpack there. I think, um, you know, when I first saw everything today, I've always been somebody who's more of a 
I, well, I mean, I wrote an article that I, I got a I got, I got a lot of feedback. I'll tell you that much, man, uh, about how we need to stop <laughs> booing Paul George whenever he plays in Indy. Um, and I, I think that oftentimes we kind of forget, you know, it's a, it's a two way street, you know, sometimes, uh, one road's a little bigger or, uh, you know, somebody's doing more of the damage, but, um, it, it's pretty clear there was an impasse between both sides of the party. Um, and you know, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, it's hard to necessarily know, you know, what you can take out of an interview sometimes because most guys are going to be closed-lipped or, uh, or vague about something. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of rings true. I was talking to my co-host and, and editor Tom today about uh, what, what, what PG talked about. And, uh, you know, Tom was honest. He was like, you know, I think uh, it makes sense. You know, I, I don't see how there's not validity to what he's saying because it's, it's kind of true. The the front office just traditionally uh, has not always been willing to go in and sacrifice the future. And you can say whatever you want about that. I, I think, you know, obviously things have worked out really well for Indiana. Um, but I agree with you, man. The idea of having, if you can find a way to make AD and Paul George happen, which I would counter, I don't think there was enough uh, assets on, on the roster to make that happen. Uh, because, you know, parting for Anthony Davis when he was, you know, saying he's going to leave no matter what, uh, still got four first-round picks, and we're talking three years earlier uh, before he's even at his prime. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree, man. It's uh, it's it's weird to look back at. Uh, definitely glad that we're where we're at now. You know, a little bit more stability. We're coming up with, uh, you know, Victor is going to have his contract coming up next year. So this will be uh, another interesting year and in, in off season for the Pacers, no doubt. Yeah, and I, one more thing, you know, and if you're looking at the guys they have now, like Sabonis, Oladipo, and, and you think about the Bojan years for a couple of years, Darren Collison, Thad Young, Corey Joseph, all those guys come here because Paul requests a trade. And I, I would definitely agree with what Kevin Pritchard has said. They needed that culture change, and I, I mean, mm-hmm. Oladipo did bring that. And I think that this is probably the most fun group of guys that I can ever recall you know, cheering for, like, I, I definitely, you know, you enjoyed the playoff runs, but you'd get so frustrated with Hibbert, you know, Granger's injuries were up or down, Lance and his antics, you know, some people love it, some people get frustrated by it, you know, but it was ups and downs a lot, and, you know, with this team here, you know, it, they're, they're definitely the true underachievers that are overachieving, you know, right, so uh, people always expect this team to underachieve, and they, they expect them to just be a mediocre team, but then they always go out there and surprise, you know, TJ Warren been huge this year. Sabone has taken that next step. It's this team has been so much fun to report for the past three years. And honestly, it probably would be more fun for fans to root for these guys that actually want to be here. than you know, have to worry about, Oh, if one playoff series goes the wrong way, could Paul and Anthony Davis leave? And now we're stuck with a complete rebuild. So, it's, it's, it's tough to look back and say, well, what would you rather have if you could have Paul George and Anthony Davis or the, the core you have now? But uh, I think as a fan that enjoys watching guys that work hard, I, I think that I'd rather have the team they have now uh, than, than, than seeing, you know, being nervous about the other guys leaving in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting conundrum, man. I mean, we're still kind of looking at that, uh, that same impasse. Where do we, uh, where do we go from being – like you said, the overachieving underachievers to being uh, a highly competitive contending level team, you know? Um, right, right. And that's, so that's, that's actually what we're getting into next and uh, what we came here to talk about today. Try not to feed in too much to, to Twitter trade talk, um, but the amount of times that we've seen uh, Gordon Hayward mentioned to uh, 
to the Indiana Pacers in, in, in trades, uh, we got to bring it up and talk about it. And you actually brought the idea up with me to talk about it on, on a podcast. And uh, I always love to talk with you, man. So uh, let's let's get into it. I, I'd love to hear your yeah. takes first. Well, I don't think there's anything that we need to discuss as far as, you know, takes versus takes. I just mm-hmm. – let me ask you this just to get things for – okay, Gordon Hayward, 30 years old, right? Let's kind of set this up here. Gordon Hayward is 30 years old. And it's funny because him and Miles Turner are basically six years apart exactly in age. Yep. Uh, Gordon Hayward born on March 23rd, Miles Turner March 24th. So you got to think here, the, the biggest thing, and the only reason why this trade would make a lot of sense is if the Pacers are, are feeling like they can be a championship contender right now. And it, it's kind of hard to think about that because I don't think they're ready. And I don't think Gordon Hayward is necessarily a number one player on a team that's going to win a championship. Right. So, and with Oladipo's injury, you know, who is our number one player right now? I mean, it, with Vic fully healthy, you'd say him. But right now, it, it could be anybody on any given night. It could be TJ Warren one night. It could be Sabonis. You know, it's going to be between those two. I mean, Brogdon every once in a while will have a good game. So the, the biggest question mark is, for me, will the two centers work going forward, right? That's what we've been talking about since this whole thing happened. Everybody knows that I'm more Team Sabonis than I am Team Turner. But I'm going to explain a little bit today why – I, number one, I would not do this trade if it was just Miles and Jeremy Lamb straight up for Gordon Hayward, right? I just don't think that you can validate giving up six years of Miles' prime for a Hayward who's on the back end of his prime, right? So let's just get that out of the way for me first. But that would go into the same thing with the trade rumors that happened last year with the Pelicans, where it was the Pacers and the 18th pick uh, trading Miles and the 18th pick, I believe it was, for Drew Holiday in the fourth pick something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but basically, you know, trading for Drew Holiday, while Drew Holiday right now to me and Gordon Hayward to me right now, they're both better players than Miles at this point in their NBA careers. To me, I still think that the age is the biggest difference. And while I don't necessarily think that trading Miles is the worst decision the Pacers will make going forward, I I just think that you got to make sure you trade him for the right thing. And what are you wanting to get in return for a guy like Miles Turner if you trade him? That's the biggest thing for me. You know, I don't want a 30-year-old power, or small forward that can play the three and the four. I don't want a 31-year-old shooting guard um, and point guard that, you know, can defend his butt off but only be, you know, good for the next two to three years. It's, it's one of those things where you'd have to really get something to help with your, with your future. And I just don't necessarily think that there's anything out there that makes a lot of sense. So I have other points, but I kind of want to hear your reactions to those comments right there before I jump into more. Yeah. I think the first thing that that really hits me, you know, thinking about this and and what you mentioned, you know, this team right now, it's uh, it's especially looking at at the Pacers historically and compared to other small market teams, uh, you know, this team is not going to win by necessarily having like a LeBron James type or having, you know, the, the best player on the court, you know, uh, uh-huh. they, they, the, the way that this team becomes a contending level team is by being kind of like the going to work Pistons team. You have five guys who work really well together uh, with, you know, maximize the strengths, minimize the weaknesses. And that's largely what this team has been. Uh, but there's still, you know, like we talked about looking for that. Um, we, you know, it's, it's difficult because it's, they're still such a young team, so we can't really say, you know, is everybody on the roster that's going to be there uh, for this team to reach contender level status? Um, a lot of people would, you know, there's it's as you can as we're talking about right now, you know, it's always up for debate. Um, 
I think the first thing, you know, after that to mention, I mean, Hayward uh, was largely back this season, especially watching Boston. Um, he was still not seeking contact a ton, kind of similar to Vic coming off injury. Um, but, I mean, his shooting percentages were incredible this year, largely because he was the fourth role, uh, fourth option in their offense. Um, but, I mean, he if he was in a higher usage setting, he'd be, you know, largely back to what he was doing in Utah. Um, I think he's a really darn good player. Uh, but I just think the biggest thing for me is, like you mentioned, he just doesn't fit the team timeline. I, I think you cap yourselves. And I'm sure, you know, uh, obviously our front office is never going to come out and talk about this um, because that's that's not what front offices do. That's what we do. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, like if you totally hamstring yourself into a one or two year window that arguably isn't even there right now because we're still trying to figure out how the team fits together. They, they really haven't even gotten to all play together um, and outside of a couple games. And even then, Brogdon was still injured for most of them. So it's, you know, you look at it and if it, it, even if you do add Hayward, I think he's, he's incredible, but there's still a, a gap at the four because you look at Hayward and TJ Warren, both guys are really incredible wing players who can play defense, uh, can, can, can score a little bit in isolation. Uh, Hayward's a much better passer than TJ. Um, but neither of them is really uh, a true four. Like, you know, uh, we largely we're away from having guys like true fours. But, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen this a bunch this year, and I've talked about it a couple times with Caitlin Cooper of Indy Cornrows as well. Um, one of the biggest problems that the defense has is, is guarding fours and, and playing against teams that have a quality four. Um, mm-hmm. that it's especially, you know, Sabonis and, and miles get caught in the cross matches a ton. Defending the corners is really difficult for them making closeouts and the, the drives that can, can come off of that. Um, but largely, I just think, I don't think there's any reason to make any kind of trade with the team right now. And not e- until we're, we're past the playoffs. And even this year, I'm still not sure what to take from the playoffs necessarily. You know, it's a, such a different, uh, oh, yeah. atmosphere and you don't really know what you can take from it. I'm, I mean, every team has to go off of what happens, you know, um, but it, it will be, it, it's just hard to gauge what you can take from it. And I think um, as far as I'm concerned, I think we have to keep moving forward with what we got to see, uh, to see what we do make. And I, I'd argue giving next year a shot as well. I mean, the, the front court played well um, against regular teams, you know, playing against uh um, the, the bottom, you know, bottom playoff teams and, and the rest of the league, they were solid, but they did struggle against the top, uh, top seeded teams, but also you know, injuries were definitely playing a factor this year. So that's my long winded way of saying right yeah. now, I, I don't think it's uh, it, it, to me, it's more of just people using the NBA trade machine because there's nothing else to do right now. Um, well, that, that's true. <laughs> and I was going to say this, you know, I think coronavirus definitely does help extend this team's, you know, chances of being together. Uh, for at least another year, because I don't think you can really clearly justify making a decision on either Sabonis or Turner or whomever yep. after this playoff run because of how crazy the circumstances are. And I'm just going to come out and say this. I definitely was harsh on Miles for a long time because I was disappointed with what I thought he should be as a player, and I, I never felt like he was living up to the expectations. So I've been pretty disappointed, and I've been one to highlight when he's not been great. But there's, I think this year has been his best season to me personally as a player in the league because at first it was frustrating for him because he's come out and talked about it. But I, I definitely think that the ability that he brings with protecting the rim, shooting the three, and his defense is pretty elite. I, I think that he is a very important asset to this team. 
And defensively, he, I mean, if you could put him and Sabonis together, if you could put Sabonis' offense with Miles' defense, you have the perfect center. Yep. Unfortunately, you can't do that. You have two guys. So, you know, here's, here's what I want to say, because I've coached basketball for, you know, seven, eight years now. And one of the things I want to talk about is Miles Turner and where I value him. Okay, so as, as a fan, you, you tend to value your players more than other teams do. And that's okay. You should. You know, you see them every day. You know more about them. And you become a fan of them. So you have more of a personal connection. So, yeah. So I, I think um, – uh, hold on a second. Yeah, I think, I think totally with how you run an offense is based on how great of a player, great a player is. And as a coach, you know, I'm going to run the offense through this player because it gives me the best chance to win, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Miles is talented enough. To win, to win a team 30 to 35 games as the number one focal point. But the Pacers are not in the business of winning 30 to 35 games and being the 10th or 11th seed in the Eastern Conference. They're in the business of trying to get to the NBA Finals, right? Or at least win a playoff series or two. So I think Miles, on a championship team, he is a third, fourth, or fifth option type of player. And that's not a bad thing. It's just not every player in the NBA is elite. Not every player in the NBA is a superstar-level player. I don't think the Pacers have a true number one superstar on their team right now. And that's the biggest gap that this team is missing. I don't know how you're going to get it if you're not ever going to draft in the lottery and you're not going to make that decision in the lottery and, you know, to make the right decision. Because we've had lottery picks earlier in our tenure and we've made we've – had, we've had hits and misses, you know, in our, in our franchise. We've never had that number one player like a Jordan, like a LeBron, you know, those type of things, Durant. So it's tough. It's really tough to win a championship. It's really tough to build a great team. So, I mean, you talked about the Pistons as being a, a kind of a model. I really think you could also look at the 2011 Dallas Mavericks and how they won a title. I think that's the kind of team the Pacers are going to need to have, about seven or eight deep, which I think they are, but they need that number one guy like the Dallas Mavericks had in Dirk. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if they're ever going to get that. I mean, as much as I love Sabonis and his offense, it, it's it, his defense has got to have to improve for him to be, you know, a non-tradable player. And honestly, if you're looking at him and Miles, there's a big difference between the two of them. There's no doubt about it, and their in their games and their styles. But whichever one, if the centers don't work out together after a couple of years, you have to see which one gets you the most value back and makes the most sense for the modern NBA. I don't necessarily think Nate McMillan is holding Miles Turner's back. A lot of people say, oh, he doesn't let him shoot enough threes. He doesn't let him do this. I, I think that if he allowed Miles to be that number one, number two option, you would probably see – I mean, we've already seen it the last two years before this. I think you would see similar results, maybe a few less wins. Just because offensively, Sabonis is such a great passer. He's such a great screen setter. He's good in the post. You know, if he can start knocking that three down, I mean, he's going to be really hard to guard on offense, which he already is. He's, he's a tough ball player. So, you know, and it's not like I'm trying to say anything bad about Miles. I'm just saying defensively, though, I mean, Miles is just something that you cannot replace with a Gordon Hayward, with, you know, a Drew Holiday. I mean, if you if you let Miles go in a trade, you're going to need to bring somebody back who pretty much is identical to Pascal Siakam for this Pacers team to be really good. And – you're not going to be able to trade Miles Turner for Pascal Siakam, you know. So you're going to have to give up more than that to get that type of player. And, and, you, and by saying that, I mean you need a power forward 
that can play next as a bonus, but can also help protect the rim. Uh, he's really good defensively. You know, if you go out and get a Gordon Hayward, you're really struggling now on defense. You know, TJ Warren is your best defender and with no rim protection. I mean, that's not great. So it, it's, it's really tough to find the right trade. And I think it would be smart if the Pacers just ride it out, see what they got. This is a long-winded conversation, I know. And I appreciate you listening so thoroughly to what I'm saying. Yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I know, it's, it's just really hard to explain thoroughly because there's so much you want to get out and try to under, unwrap it all because there's so much to look at. But you cannot replace Miles' room protection. I know, I know Kent Sterling, my co-host on Monday's show for setting the pace, is huge on Goga's potential in the future. But, yeah. you know, we, we have yet to see that. So it's, it's one of those things where if you do trade Miles or you do trade Sabonis, does that trade make you better? And if it doesn't give you a massive leap and it's a more of an equilateral move, I don't understand the reason in doing it unless one of the players asks for a trade. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the last thing I want to hit and – um, what I get off that the number one, uh, I, 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 I don't know if I'd go as far as Kent does on his, on his takes on Goga. I think Goga's got a lot of potential <laughs> as a player, but the biggest thing for me is just, I mean, he's gosh, I mean, he's, he's a couple years away from being uh, a real contributor at a super high level. You know, if he, if he does right. reach that ceiling. So uh, I think it's hard to try and quantify what he, he is to the team and how he factors in. Um, but then looking at what you're, you're talking about with Miles, um, I agree. I think his avenue is becoming just a really awesome role player. And I think he was starting to find that later on in the season. Um, I sort of agree uh, about Nate McMillan not necessarily holding him back, although I do think um, I talked with – I've talked with Caitlin about this as well. Um, I, I, I would like to see more, uh, more actions that involve both Sabonis and Turner. And we started to see that down the stretch. There were some role-replace actions that – and most notably in the Portland game, got Miles that game-winning three. And you can just see the confidence that he's playing with now and the confidence he has in his shot. Um, I think the biggest thing for me this year about Miles, people have been down on him because his, uh, his three-point percentage has been down, his rebounding has been, his, his, you know, he's never been an awesome rebounder, and he's not a great rebounder. And that's largely because right. of athleticism. You know, he's not a, he doesn't have a super strong lower body, so he's not a great box-out guy, and that's not necessarily his fault, you know, just is what it is. Um, but his shooting, it, like, I mean, you remember when, when he first started shooting threes regularly is, uh, I believe it was, it was his second year that he started to, um, he would only take them if he was wide, wide open or, uh, um, there would be a ton of hesitance on, on shots sometimes. And now this is the first season where we, we really see him. He's just gunning it. He's like, okay, I'm getting the ball. I'm letting it go. And like, that's been like the last probably 25, 30 games. He started doing that. And that's huge. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know what your like coaching philosophies are, but for me, I mean, I'm not a coach, but when I'm looking at players, I want a guy who's willing to shoot maybe more than, you know, having a guy who's a 40% shooter, but will only shoot when he's wide open in the corner. That's nice. But you need a guy who's willing to shoot uh, no matter what, because the threat of that guy shooting means more than necessarily hitting, uh, hitting at a higher rate on less attempts, you know? Um, and so I think, I really think miles can grow into that, that potential, uh, star role player for us. And I, I think he's starting to show that. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I can even hit too much more on that. I think there's just basically, I feel like we're both coming to the same conclusion that there, there's a lot of potential with this team. There's a lot of directions that it could go. Um, and we're still missing that one guy. And maybe Victor is able to, to, to 
regain the 17, 18 form that we saw. And I, I, I truly hope that's what happens because he was, I mean, uh, going back and watching some of the film from that year was incredible. Um, I mean, he was just an amazing player. He still is an amazing player. He started to really flash that, you know, like the last four or five games, he was starting to look like, you know, 95, you know, 90% of himself. Um, and yeah, dude, I mean, this, this team, this team has the ability uh, to do something and I'm hoping something happens in this playoffs. So we'll definitely yeah. be watching, man. Oh yeah, for sure. And as far as this playoff goes, it's, it's definitely going to be difficult to figure out because, you know, still 50, 50 on what Justin Holiday does and how important he's been for the bench. You know, Victor Oladipo this weekend, you know, has to kind of test it and see if his injury will even allow him to be able to play in Orlando. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, I, I want Oladipo to play because I'm selfish and I think we're better, obviously, when he's on the court. But at the same time, if I'm looking long term, is it really worth it for him to go out there and not be fully healthy after sitting down for the last three months, kind of being stuck in this quarantine? What exactly, how exactly will he come back? And then, you also have to remember Jeremy Lamb, you know, that gruesome injury that he suffered. It, it, it just really kind of took this Pacers team apart. And we, we've kind of dealt with injuries all season long between Brogdon. You know, Warren got hurt there for a little bit after not missing much time. Oladipo, Jeremy Lamb. You know, you just see all these guys get hurt, and, and they were never really able to get this core together. So, like I said, along with the pandemic, not being able to see these guys fully healthy together puts an asterisk on uh, on what this team can can be fully. And I know a lot of people were skeptical of the moves the Pacers made, but after they watched them play without Oladipo and saw how competitive they were, I think people started to believe they could become something of a, of a, of a serious threat in a first-round playoff matchup. But, you know, nobody's going to pick them to win a playoff series against any of the top, you know, five teams in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, I'm excited, and I, and I know the trade talk is always interesting, especially this time of year, because at this point, we've been gearing up for free agency in just about, you know, a week. Which so, is wild to think about, man. I, I know. And so, like, I, we're so used to making these moves. And so, you know, the Pacers definitely, I mean, as much as I love T.J. Warren, I'm not saying that, you know, <laughs> we need to trade him. But, I mean, if you can get an upgrade at his position, I, I think you have to do it. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm Gordon Hayward is a better player than T.J. Warren. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, it's just hard to imagine because T.J. Warren's been so fun to watch this year, get, giving up on any of these guys right now. They're all so young. They all fit that timeline together. The only one that's a little bit older is Justin Holiday, And, and it, just, it just comes down to what do the Pacers want to do with this future? How serious are they about being championship contenders? How are they looking at building this team? That's all questions we're going to have to see. But I know one thing, they're not going to have a lot of money <laughs> because I've got so much tied up in Sabonis, Turner, Brogdon, and Oladipo. What they do with the future, it's going to be tough to figure out financially for this team. And, I mean, that's a podcast for another day, right? But uh, I'm, just, I'm just interested to see exactly what this team does going forward because the last thing you want is for Oladipo to never become himself again and then – you know, continue battling injuries the rest of his career. And you've got an overpaid superstar that kind of goes down kind of like, uh, kind of like Danny Granger did where, you know, he's the focal point of your team. And then as your team's really starting to ascend, he hits that wall. Right. So it's, you know, that's, that's the worst case scenario for this, for this team and the future of it. But 
you have to hold on to Olivi, but you cannot let him go because if he walks, then I think they're in a heap of trouble. Yeah, there's no way to get back uh, somebody even markably close to to Victor's ability in any short kind of time frame. You know, um, I, I totally agree, man. This team is uh, not to sound dramatic, but you know, the next you know six to six to ten months is a uh, it's a real crossroads for the team and and uh, and where it's headed moving forward. Uh, what do you, what do you got cooking the rest of the week? Rest of the week, man, not a whole lot. Just working and uh, just hanging out with family. And uh, if some of you guys don't know and you're wondering, man, what happened to setting the pace? Uh, so I was supposed to move into a new house at the beginning of, of June, end of May, and that, that deal actually fell through. So then I had to move out of my apartment because my lease was up and I had nowhere to go. Me and my wife were like, okay, so we end up looking for another house. you know. But, of course, it takes at least 30 days to do closing costs and all that stuff. So right now I'm currently in a transition spot where I'm living in my parents' house, uh, back at it again in the parents' crib after, <laughs> you know, getting married and being on my own. So it's, it's definitely a little bit different, but you know, life is good. God is good. And, uh, you just got to keep rolling with whatever life throws at you. It's been a crazy 2020 and one that I think a lot of people hope to forget, but I'm trying to make the most of it. And, uh, I know that, uh, all bad things turn around for good if you have, you know, your mind in the right place. So, you know, just just got to keep positive vibes going. I'm trying to stay feathery over here through all this craziness and uh, just excited for the Pacers to get back and kind of get my mind off things. I totally agree, man. Uh, well, Alex, thanks again. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, Mark. Thank you.